Hello and welcome to the Master of Demon Gorge podcast. Today we're talking about the Eastern Bureau and the Eastern Forest. The story is basically the same in the 1967 classic film Dragon Inn and in its 1992 remake. In the 1450s, during the Ming Dynasty, court intrigues in Beijing pit the loyal minister of war against the party of the eunuchs. Palace eunuchs originally meant to be domestic servants of the imperial family became a very powerful faction during the Ming. They had their own department called the Eastern Bureau and their own secret police force. So the minister of war loses the power struggle and is killed the eunuchs then come after his associates and family. His associates hustle the family members out of Beijing and all the way out west to the desert borderlands, where they hole up in a hotel at the end of the world called Dragon Inn, with the desperate hope of escaping from China altogether. The proprietress of the hotel, meanwhile, is a shady woman who definitely sometimes robs unsuspecting travelers, or worse. And she enters a love triangle with a loyal associate of the late Minister of War and his girlfriend. And hot on the heels of the escapees, the eunuch's secret police ride toward Dragon Inn. Now the two women and the man they both love have to work together to defeat the evil secret police. In other words, it's a kind of Ming Dynasty version of Casablanca. I was reminded of Dragon Inn recently, the 1967 original being a Taiwan-Hong Kong co-production, once again because of Taiwanese politics. Now, by the time this episode comes out, the pivotal presidential and legislative elections in Taiwan on January 13th will have happened. But, as I'm recording this, these are still in the future. So the outcome is in the air. And in the weeks leading up to the election, this term, Dongchang, or the Eastern Bureau, has come up in Taiwanese political discourse. The Eastern Bureau was the department run by the eunuchs during the Ming with his own secret police force. So they were the villains in both versions of Dragon Inn. And their portrayal in the films is basically the judgment of history, how we remember them. The Eastern Bureau has come up in Taiwanese political discourse because of recent events that seem to show the ruling party, the Democratic Progressive Party, using the police force and judiciary to intimidate opponents and further its political interests. In September, at the urging of a leading politician, the police arrested a man for a Facebook post deemed critical of the government. In December, less than four weeks before the election, prosecutors announced investigations into 41 grassroots-level opposition politicians alleging, on the basis of tourism in China, that they were in cahoots with Beijing 
Things like this present an appearance of judicial interference in politics. Precisely the reason that the U.S. Justice Department, for example, has rules against enforcement actions within a certain window before elections. And so, some commentators started saying that the prosecutors and police are now functioning like the Eastern Bureau. Like I said, the political controversy and the election are still playing out as I record this, so I have no idea what's going to end up happening. So let's not dwell on them. I thought I would just talk a bit about this Eastern Bureau and its history. Long-time listeners may remember the episode we did on the Yongle or Chengzu Emperor of the Ming. He was a son of the founding emperor of the Ming Dynasty, the Hongwu Emperor, personal name Zhu Yuanzhang. Because his favorite son and crown prince predeceased him, when Emperor Hongwu died, he passed the throne to his grandson, the son of his favorite son, leaving all his other sons standing around looking like idiots. And the grandson, Emperor Jianwen, then tried to strip power away from his many uncles. One of these uncles said, screw that, and openly revolted, overthrowing Emperor Tianwen to become emperor himself. This was Emperor Chengzu, the builder of the Forbidden City. Because he had come to power by overthrowing his nephew, his father's legitimate chosen successor, however unwise the choice might have been, Emperor Chengzu suffered from a problem of legitimacy. Many people considered him a usurper, including many in the Mandarin class. So, after relocating the capital to Beijing in 1421, Emperor Chengzu established a new department in his government with offices just outside the eastern gate of the imperial city. Due to its location, it came to be called the Eastern Bureau. And the new department would function as a domestic security force, a secret police, meant to find and root out individuals disloyal to Emperor Chengzu, people who questioned his legitimacy. Because members of the Mandarin class, the people who generally staffed the government, were themselves known to be sympathetic to the deposed Emperor Jianwen, they could not be trusted to run the new security bureau. So, Emperor Chengzu put eunuchs in charge. Eunuchs who traditionally were only supposed to serve as domestic servants in the imperial household. Now they became some of the most powerful members of the Ming government, the equivalent of directors of the Gestapo or the KGB. The eunuch-led Eastern Bureau proceeded to spy on members of segments of society considered influential. Mandarins, military officers, local gentry, scholars and writers, and so on. And they reported only to the emperor personally. With lower-level suspects, they didn't need to report to the emperor and didn't need to go through any judicial process. They were authorized to arrest the individuals in question, and even to imprison them or torture them 
without having to answer to anyone. With high-ranking suspects, say the Minister of War in Dragon Inn, they had to obtain the Emperor's okay. But then they could do as they pleased. The institution of the Eastern Bureau and the empowerment of the eunuchs would haunt the Ming Dynasty until its fall in 1644. The system was obviously open to abuse. And it's a major reason that, on the whole, the Ming was emphatically not one of the better-run dynasties in Chinese history. The degree of abuse reached a high point during the reign of Emperor Xizong, also known as Emperor Tianqi. Xizong was the second-to-last emperor of the Ming, reigning from 1620 to 1627. He rose to the throne at only 14, and was pretty much checked out for the duration of his rule, giving free reign to the eunuchs of the Eastern Bureau. The most infamous eunuch who arrogated tremendous power upon himself at this time was a man named Wei Zhongxian, a name that still signifies corruption and abuse of power to the Chinese even today. Wei Zhongxian was born in 1568 into poverty. He never had an education and was illiterate. He enjoyed drinking, gambling, and the company of prostitutes. He had a wife and children, but abandoned them when his gambling debts caught up with him, when his creditors came collecting. So he castrated himself and offered his services at the palace as a eunuch. Except, some say that he only pretended to castrate himself, and that after entering the palace, he was able to befriend the palace girls and the emperor's concubines so that they covered for him. He was also supposed to have carried on a sexual relationship with the nanny of the young prince who would end up becoming Emperor Xizong. When Emperor Xizong came to the throne in 1620, he promoted Wei Zhongxian and put him in charge of the Eastern Bureau. Now, during these decades throughout the late 16th into the early 17th centuries, Besides the party of the eunuchs, other political factions also formed in the Ming court. Of these, chiefly made up of mandarins from the Yangtze Delta area, came to be called the Dongling Party, or the Party of the Eastern Forest, named after the academy of one of their leading figures, the Eastern Forest Academy. In the 1620s, the Eastern Forest went after the Eastern Bureau. The Mandarin class, the educated literati, had always looked down on eunuchs like Wei Zhongxian, not only an illiterate, but also someone who should have only been a domestic servant. But their critique of the eunuchs rang true. Guys like Wei Zhongxian were, in fact, a cancer on the Ming body politic. They cared only about their own power and not about the good of the country. But the party of the Eastern Forest made the mistake of also making enemies of those mandarins from other parts of the country who didn't agree with their political program. For this reason, some historians have criticized the party of the Eastern Forest for being moral crusaders and insufficiently practical as politicians. 
the mandarins whom they rejected came to ally with the eunuchs. The eastern forest men derisively called the eunuchs and their allies the party of the castrati. In 1624, leaders of the eastern forest tried to impeach Wei Zhongxian and push him out of power. They accused him of a list of 24 crimes. But they didn't quite have enough political muscle to force Emperor Xizong to side with them. So Wei Zhongxian survived the allegations. Wei Zhongxian then rallied those mandarins who didn't belong in the party of the Eastern Forest and retaliated. He used the secret police at his disposal to good effect. He compiled an enemies list of officials belonging to the Eastern Forest and began to go after them. Long-time listeners may remember the episode we did on another major figure from this time, the general and minister of war, Yuan Chonghuan. From that episode, you may recall that during these years, the Ming was fighting an increasingly desperate war against the Manchus, just north of the Great Wall. So, at this juncture, a Ming official named Xiong Tingbi lost control of the area beyond the Great Wall and retreated to Shanghai Guan, the pass of mountains and seas, the eastern terminus of the Great Wall. Yuan Chongquan would later make his name by retaking this area. You may also remember that Yuan Chongquan was careful not to upset Wei Zhongxian, whose agents followed Yuan into war. As was common at the time to stay on good terms with Wei Zhongxian, Yuan Chongquan even put up shrines dedicated to him on the northern frontier as though he were a god. But meanwhile, Xiong, who had lost the battle against the Manchus, was sentenced to death for his failure. Xiong tried to get other officials to speak up for him at court. His fellow officials reminded him that the easiest way out of the bind during this very corrupt time was to bribe Wei Zhongxian and the other powerful eunuchs. But Xiong didn't have the money for that. Wei Zhongxian was doubly pissed off because he couldn't get any money out of him. But then he saw an opportunity. Wei Zhongxian now falsely accused top leaders of the Eastern Forest of taking bribes from Xiong in exchange for speaking up for him at court. These leaders, the six leaders, came to be called the Six Gentlemen of the Eastern Forest. Wei Zhongxian had five of the six tortured to death. The sixth man, after publicizing how his friends had died, committed suicide to follow them into the underworld. In 1626, Wei Zhongxian further went after seven other leaders of the Eastern Forest, the seven sages of the Eastern Forest. Note that the six gentlemen and the seven sages were, in fact, two entirely different sets of people. Wei Zhongxian once again falsely accused these mandarins of corruption. Once again, he tortured six out of seven of them to death, and the seventh one drowned himself. Wei Zhongxian and his secret police arrested and killed many more members of the Eastern Forest, so much so that 
there were hardly any of them left in Beijing. And he tore down the Eastern Forest Academy, the school that had been the center of these Mandarin's activities. But worth noting, the Ming kept Nanjing in the south as a second capital, and plenty of Eastern Forest men remained there. In 1627, Emperor Xizong fell ill and died, aged only 21. On his deathbed, he instructed his younger brother and designated successor, the soon-to-be Emperor Sizong or Chongzhen, that Wei Zhongxian was a man who could be relied upon. What he didn't realize was that Chongzhen hated the party of the Castrati. There was no love lost between him and Wei Zhongxian. During the first year of Chongzhen's reign, another official filed charges against Wei Zhongxian, accusing him of ten high crimes. Chongzhen took the opportunity. He called Wei Zhongxian into court to answer the charges, making it obvious where he stood. A terrified Wei Zhongxian tried to bribe his way out, and he in fact managed to get Chongzhen to accept his resignation rather than kill him. Chongzhen ordered Wei Zhongxian to leave court and to go and look after the tombs of former emperors. Away from court, Wei Zhongxian tried to gather around him a group of men who would fight for him and be loyal to him personally. Chongzhen learned about this and was outraged. He sent his own secret police after Wei Zhongxian. This was a different section of the secret police. This was the so-called Jing Yi Wei, or guardsmen in silk clothes. The secret police who answered directly to the emperor and not to the Eastern Bureau. Someone tipped off Wei Zhongxian. They were coming. He knew then the guardsmen in silk clothes were coming for him. But he figured that there was no way out anyway. So... He partied hard for one final night and then hanged himself. Emperor Chongzhen got a hold of his body and ordered its mutilation. He further ordered a general purge of the party of the Castrati, killing over 250 of Wei Zhongxian's associates, including the nanny he was supposed to have had an affair with. Chongzhen then put Mandarins of the Eastern Forest in power once again. Like I said, although they'd mostly been killed in Beijing, plenty of them remained in the southern capital, Nanjing. But Chongzhen, despite his best efforts, was doomed to be the last emperor of the Ming. And, despite his best efforts, he was never able to put a complete stop to this factionalism and this conflict between the parties of the eunuchs and the mandarins of the eastern forest. In 1644, the Ming fell. The so-called Southern Ming tried to carry on the banner of the Ming dynasty in southern China, but also ultimately failed. And during the Southern Ming period, the infighting between the eunuchs and the eastern forest continued, helping to seal the fate of the southern Ming. Many of the mandarins of the eastern forest 
ended up dying for their country as the Manchu Qing dynasty completed its conquest of China. But some of them ended up working in the Qing government, as did some who had previously belonged in the party of the Castrati. And remarkably, even then, they continued fighting each other. This inherited conflict greatly annoyed Emperor Kangxi later. He came to see the factionalism as a greater cause for the fall of the Ming than the abuses of power by the eunuchs of the Eastern Bureau. But in any event, that is the story of the Eastern Bureau, the story of Wei Zhongxian, the eunuch torturer, and the story of the mandarins of the Eastern Forest who opposed him. This has been MODG. Thank you for listening.